0: Hello, and welcome to episode two of What We've Learned. My name is Steve Kemish, and as ever, I'm joined by Shane Redding. Hello, Shane. Hello, Steve. So before we kick off, and Shane's going to take us underway with our first and recurring topic of leading the way, what have we seen this week, who's winning, who's uh, standing out in terms of progress, and other trends that might be helpful for us as marketeers and the wider world of business, a couple of parish notices. Firstly, you can find us on wwlpodcast.co.uk feel free to write any comments give us any thoughts you have there equally you'll also find us on Spotify if you search for what we've learned so Shane let's kick off leading the way what have we learned this week
1: I think there's two things Um, I think everybody is feeling the pressure a bit this week more I mean there's always the novelty of, of working things out for the first time doing things differently and as soon as that wears off and you have a new, if you like, a new normal. I think we're starting to enter the new normal. And what I'm seeing is some companies dealing with that well and some companies dealing with that really badly. Um, and there's a bit of a, how should we say, a marketing bingo go on the mo- at the moment in terms of the maximum number of Zoom calls you've managed to do in a day. So what about you, Steve? How do you feel about the last week?
0: Yeah, I think I agree. The new normal was a week ago. Um, Don't panic if some one of your family drops into the uh, Zoom call you might be having now that I think there is a real risk. And it's a really interesting topic for today around how businesses are are learning quickly and leading in a positive way. So how you may have had um, employee or staff fatigue uh, a couple of weeks ago that might be for very different reasons. I think we're beginning to see that now, jokingly, at least, as you say. You know, I'm all zoomed out or whatever the the term may be. So on the positive, though, I think there has been a lot of organisations that have really grappled this quickly, have adapted their process. Or perhaps, as we'll talk about, I'm sure, companies that already had good process, good cultural values, that this has just been business as usual for them.
1: I agree. And I think what's really impressed me this week is the sheer pace of change that some companies have been able to deliver. And I think, I mean, one of the things that really stood out for me was this week, Salesforce have launched a new free app. Um, We'll post details in the comments on the LinkedIn stream after this, which is aimed basically at managing employees remotely, um, managing their productivity, but interestingly also understanding where they are in the world and what they're having to cope with. Are they in isolation? are they well or not are they dealing with family issues in a very empathetic way and i presume i don't know uh, i've had a look at the app but this presumably salesforce developed it for themselves and they put it up on the app exchange for other companies who use the salesforce platform to use themselves i think we're going to see a lot more like that of of companies developing stuff and then putting it out there for others to use what have you seen
0: Mm, Yeah, I think it's a really good point. It's funny, actually. It reminds me of something that although it wasn't Ian Hughes that said it, but Ian Hughes from Consumer Intelligence, I will tag it to, is that actually every company is now a startup. So regardless of your size, we're going through such a rapid change right now that that agile thinking um, in in the context of of that one for Salesforce of of looking after employees' well-being has come to the fore very quickly. Um, I think we're going to see an awful lot of change from some organizations, big and small. Um, And unfortunately, an awful lot that won't change, that are perhaps too brittle in their management process. Even at the micro level, um, I was reading an interesting article from Forbes at the weekend online about how we've already started to see the new form of manager come out, those that can interact with this technology. And that doesn't have to be an age-based thing, uh, but also have the skills to recognise, as you said, burnout, burnout that's very different now, people being comfortable that when they used to have the structure of a nine to five office with the commute either end, they don't have that and making sure that those employees aren't burnt out or isolated or all of those things that you've mentioned. So I think a mixed bag once again on this front.
1: I think it's really interesting that actually a lot of the um, publications, the business publications are picking up on this. I think The Economist and the FT ran something similar as well, that this is actually probably the biggest management challenge This crisis that any companies will have ever faced in our lifetime Um, and how you manage people remotely is absolutely the top concern of the C-suite at the moment, because the recognition, if you like, that the, the normal management style, their normal processes, even their systems doesn't necessarily work. Um, there's things, there's big gaps, there's things like no informal water cooler meetings, you know, those catch ups that we have that are not put in the diary. How do we, how do we have that? Um, and I think, you know, how companies are managing that and responding to that new challenge beyond the obvious of the, the digital meetings is, is really important. Have you seen any good examples, Steve?
0: Well it's funny I was just thinking not so much just from the employee piece but the the necessity for brands to start to continue communicating so I've seen an awful lot of forgettable deletable communication from brands to their to their employees and to the wider market um but I think to to pick into your point there's going to be this 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 gap I suppose in process so for example I've literally just got off a call half an hour ago with Global lead for social media for a technology company, and we were chatting about their worries around their many tens of thousands of employees around the world using social media tools much more because they've got time. So, we talked about social selling last week and the positives and benefits of that, but employees that are just jumping two-footed into that and may well cause problems around compliance, uh, even down to GDPR and issues like that, that they might be sending unsolicited messages via LinkedIn that could fall foul. So I think there's also process that's got to catch up really quickly as well, which, dull as it may be, is really important for organizations to have in, in step with any technology or process changes on the front line.
1: I agree. And I I, I saw a, a really, or heard a really interesting example. And you're probably aware, and I think you mentioned it on last week's podcast, that unfortunately the scammers and the fraudsters uh, activity has escalated beyond belief. And, you know, who are the first to make money out of something like this? Well, it's them. And the banks are becoming overloaded uh, with various scam attacks. And that's caused a lot of normal uh, transactions to be queried that you're putting through. Of course, you know, those fortunate enough, it's the end of the tax year, topping up their ICEs, actually may find that they get that um, blocked. And the problem with that is you can't then get through to the fraud centre. But the bit that stood out for me... Was that they really understood, I won't say the bank, but when you went through and you were on the wait, they had changed their customer service message to explain why they were busy. But not only that, to say you are ringing a secure number, but if you get through and you hear background noise, you might hear children um, in the background. Don't worry, our staff are working from home, but with secure remote access to our systems because they understood if you're worried about fraud in the first place and you ring up and you hear something in the background that you're concerned about um, that wasn't a good customer experience so I, I was quite impressed that they had done that that quickly back to your point about changing processes.
0: Well it's an interesting one is it? it's a really good example of where customer journey mapping is so vital and we've both separately worked and jointly on these projects over the years with organisations where customer journey mapping can be a one off project, but that shows an element of culture there as well that an organisation has thought about. Even that, that background, that ambient noise that may raise the heckles or give confidence that uh, you are talking to the person that you think you should be talking to. Um, there's a nice byproduct of that, Shane, as well, of course, is that that bank, and we don't need to name them, are doing things by their employees as well and saying, look, come into work, bring your kids, it's okay, we'll, we'll manage the process for you as well as those customers that might call in. So that's a really mm. nice example. What about when we look closer to home, Shane, from a sales and marketing point of view, how do we translate some of this good where there has been strong leadership? Any thoughts or examples of where you're seeing that in action over the last few days?
1: Yes, I am. I mean, I think many marketers are probably already using tools like um, Crystal Nose. Um, That's the tool which basically is is personality profiling. um, And it's sort of the disk profiling many of us are familiar with from market research. IBM also have a fantastic sort of AI personality tool. They've been used um, to help drive content, appropriate content to different personality types. But I think what's interesting is I'm seeing far wider use of these tools now. And actually, Crystal Knows put out a great white paper on their site about how to use different personality profiling types to help manage meetings virtually at a distance. Because actually, what happens is certain personality traits, as we all know, become uh, even more obvious when you're you're dealing remotely and it's maybe harder for some introverts to stick their hand up um or, or
0: to be so we involved leave that body in language for example
1: we do particularly if you're just doing it by voice and we have to recognize mm. that you know not everybody's got great um, hardwired internet connection. Lots of people are doing it on Wi-Fi. Lots of people are in shared homes, sharing Wi-Fi, sharing rooms. Which back to your point around new processes, confidentiality, and GDPR, we all need to think very carefully about what you're saying if you're in a shared room. You know, you need to talk to your employees about that. Um, what can you do, or what do you need to say? You know, and perhaps book out a room for confidential calls, that sort of thing. It's a completely different way of working.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. It's a bit like the the classic leaning over somebody's laptop screen when you're a fellow passenger on a train, having that kind of process and thought. Uh, I, the Crystal product, um, I think, is a great product anyway, that ability to analyse somebody's social media profile publicly to get an idea on their personality, even down to a LinkedIn intro message. Interestingly, Shane, just from what we've said, I wonder whether that's a tool that could be used for employee relations as well. I wonder if companies are thinking about turning that in inwards and using that toolset to say, well, look, of our employees, what's their personality types? How might we communicate with them that they're now remote? We may not have the face-to-face contact. So I think there could be a broader use for that tool for sure.
1: Absolutely. I'm already seeing some smart, smart um, marketing people use it to help run meetings uh, and some very smart salespeople also to help them uh, in virtual pitches. Because it's again, it's different when you're you're pitching remotely uh, and to understand how much should be visual, you know, how much time Uh, You should spend on a call, whether somebody prefers lots of information in advance as a pack. Yeah, I'm seeing it both used externally, but also to manage internal meetings as well. So, yeah, it's Mm. got new applications, definitely.
0: Yeah, and that's the nice thing that we're seeing, this innovation, as you said, that companies are moving quite rapidly, changing process on the go um, and collaborating as well. So, using their ecosystem, thinking about how we've got partnerships, suppliers otherwise that might be able to to all get round a table virtually together and solve problems, which we've experienced this week, haven't we, in terms of with our training hats on uh, as tutors in that subject, how the wisdom of crowds can play a part of of trying to solve a problem of how do you continue to deliver education uh, when the doors are locked and everyone's remote?
1: Yeah, I think education and people absolutely using it as a chance to ask wider and deeper questions. I found that um, the group that I was training this week on marketing operations for B2B marketing, um, a course that they run, and it was the first time it had been done virtually, that the delegates were very prepared to share their real challenges and looking for real answers. And I thought that was very interesting. And also that one of the things when you deliver the training it's not just, if you like, for the maybe the hour or the two hours that you're doing virtually, but I think there's a need to provide some sort of support or post-training support to carry on that dialogue. What about you? What, what, what were the people asking you? What were their challenges that they were looking for help on?
0: Yeah. So, I've, as you know, parallel to you, you've been running a marketing automation program, and I think the, the key elements that are coming out so far are around the positive is that we've got an opportunity to look at how we use that marketing automation for things like service automation. So at the moment, of course, a lot of our messaging is around helping those customers we've already got relationships with. So not marketing to them, but finding a way to keep in touch. The technology is often forgotten when it comes to those communication points. Um, the other broader piece, I think, which is encouraging is people now, as we have started with on this podcast, are beginning to fall into a bit of a pattern of working. Uh, they are realizing that they can do a lot of those tasks that, that what I might call the spring clean tasks that you wouldn't normally look at. So, when of course, with something like marketing automation, the important content and data are what I would always describe as the two key fuels. So starting to look at data mapping, starting to review content, not to be too salesy. Uh, But to focus on, as I said, that, and I'm a big advocate of the word help and how that can help sell if you just help inform people, Um, but also just to keep signposting. Where is that opportunity to tell your customers uh, not what you're doing? Uh, And I've had countless emails with the subject line, what, insert brand name, are doing in the COVID-19 crisis? (laughs) I don't really want to read that. I want to know where have you thought about me and where you might be able to signpost other people's good work that could be useful to me. And again, that's where I think we'll see more in the coming weeks of that positive collaboration of the supply chain getting together and trying to crack a nut to solve a problem.
1: I agree with you. And I think it's a much more around the table approach. I think, you know, it's rather than across the table, you're a supplier, we're the buyer. I think there will be joint approaches to solving problems. And we've got this problem. How are you solving it? How are other companies solving it? And how can you help us? And I think that collaboration is really important and that sharing will definitely um, pay dividends. And just to pick up on your point, um, it's a very small one, but the fact that I agree with you that that service is even more important than others at the moment in terms of the comms going out. Of course, there are some very good MarTech vendors or tech vendors well placed already. I mean, it's very interesting to me that HubSpot launched last year their customer service module to help onboarding and ongoing service queries. And of course, Salesforce and others have, in addition to the CRM and the marketing automation, they have service modules, you know, and the opportunity either to, to use those more and to join up marketing more or to turn them on for the first time is, a, is an interesting one. Mm,
0: yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's not all doom and gloom as, as part of the reason why we wanted to, to start this podcast is that there are some real positives. Uh, and actually, if we move on to... The second subject around who's winning, where are things positive that we can we can talk about? One of the challenges we've been looking at this week is with a client of ours um, that work in an industry that is booming. Um, and what's the appropriate way to try and go out with campaigns um, that are appropriate for the moment, but equally recognised their services are in great demand. Their services in a number of industries, actually, so content delivery networks, the technology that speeds up the internet has never been more useful than now, of course, uh, with, particularly with the streaming services being used at exhaustion point. But how do you appropriately go out there? I think it's another really interesting quandary. Um, and for me, it's quite simply, again, a wisdom of crowds moment. The more people that can input and, and talk and think about how do we not find the route to them, but how do we have the appropriate tone of voice that might be different to our normal tone of voice so that we are appropriate is a, is a really interesting challenge to try and overcome.
1: Yeah, I'm absolutely spotting a, you know, a really over... Demand area. I mean, we're incredibly fortunate that we've got hardwired Ethernet in virtually every room in our house because I'm married to an IT consultant, so thank you very much, John. Um, but that's not the norm. The norm is people are working from home with poor Wi-Fi connections. So actually, who are the companies who are going to be buying um, the Ethernet cable and and telling their staff, well, actually, you can plug directly into the router to give you a hardwired rather than reliable on wi-fi signal you know the demand is there shipping it out to those homes is a a different logistical problem you you know do you bolt buy them they go into one place and then distribute or do you have all those home addresses for your staff all of those sort of challenges but absolutely some some industries complete boom market what else where else do you think is um, got a big opportunity well I
0: mean again it's it's of a happy coincidence I'd, I'd like to say we planned it but we're working in industries like supply chain technology Um, Where, again, there's lots and lots of demand because supply chain has always been a very important thing around particularly uh, retail and commerce uh, and the supermarkets where they're having to adapt to say, okay, the technology we might have previously put in, which is for the, the user experience in store, is now about getting goods out of into the warehouse and out of the warehouse as quickly as possible. Um, Another interesting one is we work with a couple of payroll companies and in and around uh, payroll and and HR has become the most prominent department in any organisation right now, not just the practicals of of how do you keep paying your staff uh, with all the changes, staff, et cetera, et cetera. But all of the policy changes as well have to come out of HR. So there's a lot of good happening, a lot of growth opportunity alongside a lot of the stories that we do see of the negative of the, of the decline or the falling off a cliff as certain industries have experienced.
1: That's an interesting one for outsourcing, because, again, you know, there's already good businesses set up um, and have been for a while to help the outsourced HR issues. So actually, they're one that could do well. Another one I spotted, um, and I think this is is very interesting to see how the media owners responded to this, is I think there's a real opportunity for local media, and I think particularly in terms of what's happening in their community and how local media owners like the local newspapers, which of course have been suffering in recent years, can support local businesses and what can they do. Uh, to promote you know the companies that are doing the takeaways for example and that was something I saw on our um, our local paper putting that out what, what are the opportunities for local radio as well so I think there's going to be a real focus on local messaging community support and what can be done there so I'm interested to see how that's going to play out as
0: well. Yeah well I think it links back to something that is really important not to miss here is that there are companies adapting and as we talked about last time employee experience um, is equally as important as customer experience right now how you're treated by your leaders will make a big difference once this all settles as to where people stay or where they go from as employees um, but you can't just stick that on i think there are companies that have this culture that are the are adaptive, so they've got that agile methodology in thinking, so they can respond, or have just led by decent human beings that will do the right thing. And as I was talking to you offline earlier today, Shane, Timpsons, the key cutting and um, locksmith service, amongst other things, just a great example of a company that already have a great culture, but don't bang on about it. It's not something that they're using to try and promote. In fact, you have to drag it out of the management that they do fully support all of their staff, 100% salary they have supported them over the years with hardship funds even basics like trying to help them pass their driving tests funding that lots of great things and therefore i think it's important to remember you can't just stick culture on very quickly it comes from a deep rooted heritage of being the right kind of people
1: yes and i think they're also obviously difficult if your model is based around one particular opportunity, and perhaps that opportunity is just not there at the moment. But I saw a fantastic example of a taxi. Um, basically it's a pricing app that normally would allow you to understand what the most cost effective taxi to book in your area is and this entrepreneur has basically decided that what he wants to do now is do something for the social good and so he's put extra money into this company in order to fund free rides to and from hospitals for NHS staff so because of all of the concern about them getting to and from in some cases long journeys if they've now got to go to Excel for example and that might be a really long trip for them Uh, and he's just said look you know I want to do something this app hopefully will be there in a year and doing what it was originally intended to do but it actually can deliver to the public good now and I I admire that so much and I think You know, there are other things like that where people are really making a difference by pivoting their business to offer something else.
0: Yeah, I think it'd be interesting, Uh, absolutely the right thing to do. And I'm just listening to you thinking, I wonder, you know, uh, what the stories are that they're going to be able to tell. Not now, that's not why they're doing it. But a key part of of business to business, particularly, is the ability to tell stories. And I'd be fascinated by someone like Paul Cash's view on this in terms of, Once again, the dust settles, that taxi firm, that application, they've got great stories to tell that are appropriate for the time. And and although, of course, we're here to do commerce, that storytelling piece, I think we do need an element of light relief as well in the short term. So brands that can't necessarily sell in the same way, perhaps there are opportunities to give us entertainment or other aspects that might just tell stories that distract us from, from the day to day a bit more. I, I agree, but w- not, I'm sure I'm going to disagree because we've agreed too much. It's always good to have uh-huh. disagree.
1: I, I'm going to disagree, Steve, because actually I felt this week, you know, April fall, normally marketing have a fabulous, you know, lots of examples of um, tongue-in-cheek, just not this time and the ones that went out there fell flat in most cases there were one or two exceptions because i think there was a sense of like it's not the right time so i think it's much more about we're we're trying to do something that will make a difference however small um that will really help people get through this because let's recognize it's, it's going to get a lot worse um, before it gets better. And actually, when people are in a very sensitive place because they've got somebody they're very close to who they've lost or they're helping because they're they're ill, then, you know, their headspace is not going to be there. And I think for those of us who are healthy and, and coping, that's great. But I think we have to be very sensitive to doing the right thing by everybody so
0: yeah yeah i look i'm going to drag you back onto the fence because i do agree with you um and what i think in the storytelling aspect and it seems completely perverse for a man to try and explain to a woman if we genderize that there are lots of different emotions Shane uh, because typically I only thought there were two historically the idea that it doesn't have to be humor and I absolutely agree with you I was petrified this week that too many brands were going to do the April Fool's thing and that would have been completely wrong but there are other emotions can we help inspire people other stories to tell that again don't have to be about us but I think we can just Distract or relieve people from what is an incredibly pressured situation. Personally, because of your own health and your own well-being, mentally, financially, physically, etc. So I think there is a ground for not just banging the drum of our products or service. Just telling a story in a different way, I suppose, is is what I'm getting at. Uh, and actually, it leads on to another challenge that we're trying to to work with. This client said this very astutely this week to us: "Is look, we do need to do lead generation." But the people that we will risk, and it's where marketing automation, I think, can play a part tactically, is we mustn't forget the people that are in our sales process already. Those leads that our salespeople were working on that have now just gone completely cold because of the environment. Shouldn't we spend our time and energy on them rather than bringing in new people that's going to be difficult and probably inappropriate?
1: Yeah, I think that that's key, that that any opportunity and what you can do to help you know, move it forwards and what is it they need. You, you mentioned it earlier, and it is absolutely about understanding what it is that your company can provide that can help them. And in fact, I think it was Adweek did a really rather nice um, campaign, I suppose, on on April Fool's Day, where they got um, basically junior uh, media buyers basically to to do a Zoom call. They thought they were just going to be chatting to somebody at Adweek, but then they arranged for basically luminaries that yeah, we so all saw this. The CMO of
0: Burger King, people like that, that were involved. Yeah, yeah. yeah lovely oh, I, way of playing yeah. with it. And that's my point. I think that's there is still an opportunity that we don't have to be default to selling. No, 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 and we don't have to default to dull as well. I think we again allow ourselves to humanise and communicate in a way that perhaps without it being contrived, is a way just to continue to to keep in touch with people as is appropriate. I think there's also another interesting piece that's come out. The DMA have been working on um, lobbying and and understanding the issues around small business and how there are an awful lot of situations, as has been reported in the press, where the banks may not be supporting these small businesses. Um, The the bureaucracy that was there before may even be worse for small businesses to survive and really doing a good job to try and recognise, well, what are the things that we can call out that might be changed quickly. Or again, back to that community aspect that we might collaboratively might be able to solve a problem on quicker if we all work together.
1: That's a great shout out. And I think I know they're looking actively for examples of where business are trying to, to raise additional funds for cash flow or for paying staff and basically um, believe that they haven't been treated fairly. Normally, they're treating consumers fairly. Um, campaign is aimed at uh, the b2c space but this is absolutely for businesses who are experiencing really poor terms from their banks so any of you listening who you know have got good examples of that then absolutely get in touch with the dma so what about next week steve what are you looking ahead
0: to uh, well, um, m- much of the same, I think. Although if I rewind slightly, because I did say this time last week, I'd look into a couple of things. And, and one of those was around this-, this instinct we've got that comms is going to go up. So the number of emails, the communications going to go up. And as you suggested, perhaps rates may decline. Um, I haven't quite got there yet, but I did see an interesting thing um, shared by Dave Littlechild who's at eMarsis, I think it was with them and Good Data, actually global stats on e-commerce growth and retraction over the last few weeks, and how certain parts of the world, e-commerce has absolutely boomed, and how that index links to to Dave's organisation is is email marketing and communication has gone up, and even basic things like order confirmation emails, because there's more orders. But certain parts of the world, e-commerce has absolutely dropped uh, and not just at an industry level, at a geography level as well. So I think it's an interesting indicator I'm going I'm to go and pursue a bit further this week is where are the metrics that might tell us what's going on in terms of response rates, etc. And, and what might have been a good open rate two weeks ago might be an entirely different thing now. Uh, and the other bit that's bugging me that I'm really interested in finding data on, if anyone's got it, is has the, the shift in working patterns affected things like when we should send communication out? So classically with something like email in b2b or social media You're not really wanting to post on those commute hours at the start of the day and at the end of the day but my commute now like most people is about 10 feet um, so there's been a real change i suspect in consumption patterns and um, the day parting that you might have found from advertising agencies that might help us as marketeers to get the messages we've been crafting into people's sphere at the right time so i think that's going to be a couple of areas for me to to continue with how about yourself
1: well, that's made me think, actually. So it sounds like a, a really good, perhaps we've talked fairly top level, but to do a deep dive into one area and email sounds as though, because we're all using it and using it in anger, um, topic to go into in a lot more detail. So maybe we can have a think about perhaps some experts to to join the podcast either now or in the future. Um, but for me, I think I'm going to spend a little bit more time on uh, thinking time it didn't happen this week but also just from a a well-being point of view I have been sat at my desk which normally never happens from eight till eight and uh, it's not good and so it's all very well being told that you could go out and have these uh, exercise breaks or whatever but I haven't been good at scheduling them in so I've got to change that that for me is is really important so it's actually for me next week it's a bit of a
0: well-being wake-up call got to be better at that Mm, I think that leads us back to our last our first point quite neatly is the idea that actually businesses have got to recognize employees and of course for yourself Shane as a consultant then you can recognize yourself and tell yourself when to go and take a break but those larger organizations that don't have so much day-to-day visibility of staff you know, in simple terms if some if Steve was in the corner and seemed to be struggling a bit someone would probably spot it it's a much more remote thing um, giving them the confidence as employees that it's okay to go and take a break. Uh, And I'm a big advocate of this from the last few years of of my working pattern being balanced between home and office is that I will try and carve out time to go out for a walk or for a run, uh, probably normally at lunchtime-ish because that tends to be when my diary allows for it. But managers, leaders must make sure that their staff recognize it's okay. Don't be fearful of the fact if you leave your desk between the hours of nine and five, like you would normally do, and it links back to your water cooler point earlier, Is I'm sure we lose an awful lot of office time and I certainly would say most people are more productive at home when there are no distractions than in the office because there are less meetings etc so I think it's a really important one that we continue to see this looking after and nurturing the workforce because we could be in this for quite a long time
1: yeah and I think you know I particularly those with children it's just you mentioned it about zoom calls and just accepting you know they're going to be in the room Um, but for the working both working parents where they're doing these shift patterns and honestly how they're coping I I just take my hat off because they're they're managing children they're managing well I know you you have um, school homework to, to mark as well Steve but you know for a full household with with little ones we've talked about it before but that's a lot of strain and i you know when when's the time for the break because if you're working four hours on then four hours with the children and where's your time where's your time to be together as Mm. well and i've heard um you know parents say actually
0: we're just not seeing
1: each other at the moment
0: yeah Um, i think it's a really good point i um i also as a parent i'm slightly fearful of being uh, put into detention by my pupil (laughs) Um, and if 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 there's a threat of a home-based Ofsted I'm not entirely sure how well I'll come out on that one but uh uh, joking aside you're right is that, that we've got to find and I think it'll be interesting over the next couple of weeks Shane as to whether we do see people just and we're very adaptable as humans do we start to fall into an even better rhythm of being comfortable that actually I might work different hours of the day to my normal working day but equally because I'm saving time on things like commutes um, that it's OK to take that time out for myself, whether it's for me to go for a run, to go and sit and decompress, to read, to spend time with your partners. I think I can see a lot of positive coming out as we start to evolve our position and work in this new world order. Nice to uh, probably close on a positive,
1: Steve, anyway.
0: Yeah, absolutely. OK, Shane, thanks ever so much. Thanks for everybody for listening. Remember, if you do want to drop us a comment, wwlpodcast co.uk or drop a line to us on LinkedIn and indeed if you know how to find Shane Redding or Steve Chemish on social media we'd love to hear from you but we'll speak to you next week thank you Shane thank you everyone bye, bye.